You type something in the command line, you hit return, you mistype a single letter, then the whole command is gone. Then you have to retype it again. And, right. and sometimes you scream, come on, come on, don't you know what I want? I want to open this file, come on, open this file for me. But you have to go through these step-by-step interfaces because this is how the machine defines your capability to do this. And this is the great challenge. This is a technology challenge. Peter Zilaji has spent most of his life thinking about our relationship with technology. And he wants you to know that machines could be doing a whole lot more for us. Because if you think about it, we put in most of the effort. We build the technology, we buy it, and then we're the ones who have to watch YouTube tutorials to figure out how it works. What if things were the other way around? What if machines adapted to us? The machines you need, the AI systems you need, and the network you need would would simply be reactive to your human action. Marcus Weldon is the president of Nokia Bell Labs and corporate CTO of Nokia. Alongside Peter, he's working to fix our one-sided relationship with technology, especially when it comes to digital networks. So really, this is the first time in 100 years that networks have made a leap in terms of their intelligent management and control The first time being the leap from TDM switchboard to more machine-managed networks of the IP era. And now we're taking another huge step forward. From Nokia Bell Labs, this is Future Human, a series about the human potential of technology. Today, we'll be talking about complexity in networks, how it strains our relationship with technology, and why intelligence might be the cure. Our episode today is called Simple and Smart. Okay, so my name is Peter Siladi. This is a Hungarian name. <laughs> I'm based in Budapest. I spoke with Peter recently to talk about his role at Nokia Bell Labs. I joined Nokia in 2008 and I joined Nokia Research in 2009. And then that's how I came into Bell Labs. Peter does everything from research to design to programming. And his love for technology goes back to his time in high school and college, where instead of going out at night with friends, he'd stay up late working on code. So, you know, there's a phrase, 10,000 hours, that's from Malcolm Gladwell. Someone has to spend 10,000 hours at something to become an expert. Sounds like you got your 10,000 hours done at an early age. Yeah, I started to to spend uh, consistently time with with that. Yeah, And actually, even to this very day today, I use a lot from those skills. Nowadays, Peter applies his expertise to restore our relationship with technology, especially when it comes to networks. On a basic level, networks are a group of computers that share resources either through cables or electromagnetic frequencies. Most of us rely on them for emails or phone calls. But the COVID-19 pandemic has shown that this dependence actually runs much deeper. Everyone suddenly discovered the need to dynamically and wirelessly connect from anywhere to anything, whether it's a web application, an e-commerce supply chain, or their business. Marcus Weldon says that, like every company, Nokia has had to pivot during the pandemic. And so far, they've had some success keeping non-essential services like email and other peer-to-peer communications online. 
But the things that weren't able to adapt, of course, were businesses that relied on connecting physical systems with high fidelity, low latency, high reliability. Those were less able to adapt and, in fact, have economically stalled as a result. With so much riding on networks, you would think that there'd be a simple way to reconfigure them. After all, we can ask Alexa for the weather. With a touch of a button, we can order takeout. As some technologies advance, they get easier to use. But instead, we tend to see the opposite with networks. They're becoming more and more complex. But the question is, do we see the complexity? Do we need to uh, kind of pull all the strings, uh, do all the, all the programming of the system? Or can we interact in a pretty high-level uh, manner with the, with the system and, and then the system will work for us? If we don't do this, then there's this kind of threat that we just keep adding stuff to the network. Now it can do slicing, now it can do radio sharing, now it can do whatever else. Okay, but this is just adding to you as the operator responsibility that, okay, then you have to configure it as well. Then you have to select among 100 more parameters. And then the complexity just grows, grows, grows forever. And then you won't be able to say anything about your network. You won't be able to know what is happening in your network. We're moving from the intent that is trivial to an intent that is massive and diverse from all the endpoints. And the endpoints now aren't just consumers, but machines and sensors and processes and systems. So the intent part of the equation is massively more complex. To understand this complexity and how it affects our relationships with networks, it first helps to know how networks have evolved over time. We used to use switchboards to talk on the phone. You'd ring an operator and they would connect your call by plugging in a set of cables. This worked fine for a small number of people. But when it came to the development of something as large as the internet, scientists needed a new method. So they came up with Internet Protocol, or IP networks. Under this system, each computer has an address and follows rules for exchanging information. This network works well for human communication. But the problem now is that information is also coming in from refrigerators, cars, and a host of internet-connected machines. So, again, we need a new solution. So it feels to me, Peter, like we're a bit back in the early switchboard era, if I make an analogy, where today's networks will look a little bit like switchboard networks and future networks will have a higher order, massively intelligent inter-networking function that provides for the service guarantees we're looking for. Does that make sense? It makes absolutely sense. So we are looking for this intelligence in the network, which makes all of these management parts possible that are required to just program the network in the way that the massive, diverse applications are requiring it. This takes us back to the core of Peter's research. How can we reduce network complexity and how can it restore our one-sided relationship with technology? Peter and his team's solution is called an Intelligent Intent-Based Network, or I-squared-BN for short. This technology would not only organize human and machine communications, we'd also be able to access that information in an effortless way. So, rather than us having to adapt to the network, the network would adapt to us. 
So what I mean with when, when machines would adapt to human is actually for us to be able to become or reconnect with our roots. Because how we communicate with each other, basically we talk. Because we have this dialogue capability. I say something to you or you ask something to me. I respond. And if you're not satisfied or you are not getting everything you want, you just ask back, adapt. And then we just work out something together. Sure, an Alexa can talk with someone. But Peter says this isn't real intelligence. It's just a well-trained algorithm. What he's talking about is a network that can automatically fulfill our requests without exposing us to its complex inner workings, similar to what an IT specialist does today. Then how does the uh, role of an IT specialist change in a world in which the networks have evolved this way? Well, I think it will change for the better in the sense that uh, the IT specialist would become actually not necessarily an IT in a sense of, let's say, uh, an administrator, but actually more like a um, higher level engineering kind of a, a specialist like designing the services, designing how it would create value for a company. And that can still be very technical, like how to apply artificial intelligence to analyze given data set and designing those algorithms. So, so human skills will still be needed. So in the future, an IT specialist could focus on more gratifying work like higher-level design and engineering decisions. And meanwhile, the network would respond to your every need. So I would argue that uh, your intent-based networking paradigm, if correctly implemented with intelligence, is the key to this revolution. Your desires will be met, and your needs will be met dynamically and in an automated way without any of the interfaces that we have today, which are the touch click, and possibly even speak interfaces that we all know. The big question now is when people could actually use an I2BN network. Peter wasn't able to give an exact time frame, but he says momentum has been building among researchers, and that's usually a good sign that something is around the corner. And when that happens... When our networks become truly intelligent, the first customers would likely be businesses. But eventually, it would make its way to people like you and me. The way we are interacting with the network through our devices today, like phones, this could really change. So what I would expect is basically we would less be consciously feeling that we are talking to a machine and rather we would just run along our kind of human nature. And of course, there will be other humans, there will be machines, and together we will be able to achieve something rather than us having to partition everything that we do within limits of individual devices and selecting who does what, to what extent. For more information on today's topics, please check out our show notes. And if you like this episode of Future Human, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. Also, feel free to leave a review at Apple Podcasts so new listeners can find the show. Future Human is a production of Nokia Bell Labs. 
This episode was executive produced and narrated by me, Sandy Smallins, for Audiation. Our producer and writer is Max Wasserman. The show was recorded and mixed at Audiation Studios at The Loft in Bronxville, New York, by Matt Noble, who also composed the theme music with me. Audiation.